Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. It was neat to see you play, and it's fun to talk to you all these years later because you played with a lot of joy and you played with passion. And I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, you know, I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. I think there were a lot of kids who looked at Dan Dickow and said, Dan Dickow can play at this level, I can play at this level. Today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports and the Believe Podcast Network brings you a conversation with somebody that I've been trying to line up our schedules with for a couple months now, somebody who I follow on social media. I've known the name for years. I think he's got a tremendous basketball mind. I'm really looking forward to hearing some more of his thoughts. Rashad Phillips of the One of One Podcast. Rashad? How are things these days for you? I'm fantastic, Dan. Thank, thanks for having me, man. You know, I, I always was a huge supporter of you when you played back in your Gonzaga days. And the tradition seems like it continues. You guys continue to put out great point guard play. It does. Gonzaga, you know, you've got one of the greatest point guards ever in John Stockton that has set the bar so unbelievably high. And when you get on campus, you get a chance to meet him. Uh, during my time, I still would work out with him, play pickup with him. The guys now just have him around to ask questions to. You have no choice but to right. raise your work ethic, raise your understanding and IQ of the game and your competitiveness. And the competitiveness for one thing, that's to win the game. It doesn't matter how many points, turnovers, right. assists, et cetera. It's to win the game. So um, I appreciate that. And you were a pretty good point guard yourself, a scoring point guard out of the Detroit area. I love – following high school basketball for, for SB Live. And there's some really good basketball in the Northwest being played in particular out of Seattle. Detroit is one of those cities that is known for having some really good basketball talent. Give me, give me your take on the Detroit basketball scene, both historically, yeah. and I know it's a big question, but just historically, as well as kind of the ebbs and flows that happen with yeah. high school basketball and where Detroit's at now. Yeah, what well, I grew up under the likes of Steve Smith, uh, Chris Weber, you know, Jalen Rose and guys like that. I mean, Detroit was such such a rich city of, of tremendous basketball play. Derek Coleman. Um, I, I mean, as a kid growing up watching that and being able to emulate that type of stuff has been something um, that's just worth my while, you know, and it has helped me really get to a certain level as a basketball player. But when you look at the, the landscape of Detroit basketball today, um, I think economics has played a lot into it in regards to kids from the city actually moving out, parents relocating, going here, going there. Um, let's take uh, Jaden Hardy for an example. He's the number two player in the country right now in high school basketball. He's from Detroit. Um, you look at Amani Bates, who's uh, not from Detroit, but he's from Michigan. So, again, there's talent, you know, anywhere that you look in the city of Detroit. But again, we're starting to spread out more um, because of the economic uh, situation. 
You've also got some terrific coaches that have come from the Detroit area. Nate Oates actually coached high school basketball before going to Buffalo as an assistant. Now he's got Alabama as a top 10 uh, program in the country. Tremendous yeah. philosophy, a tremendous system that he runs up-tempo with space, the ability to shoot the three. If you look at a Detroit basketball player, what are the, the biggest traits that you see or you want to see from those guys? I, I like I like toughness, I like grit, and I like heart. Um, the first thing about that uh, for me is always wanting to be better, wanting to be great. Um, studying film, you you mix the, the the heart, the grittiness with the skill, and I believe that's the kind of player that I would like to see from Detroit. And traditionally, it's kind of where we come from. You know, we. It's a city built on heart. It's a city built on toughness. You combine that with skill and film study. Um, I believe that is the ultimate player um, that comes from the, the city of Detroit. The first time I heard your name uh, or read your name, actually, I was a player in high school that you, you get these rankings that would come out like once yep. every six months way back in the 90s. And I saw your name kind of creeping up on some lists. Yep. And I always gravitated gravitated towards seeing the guys who were a little smaller because I knew yeah. I wasn't going to be a very big yeah. guy. Yeah. So I would see the name. I'd remember the name. And then I remember for the first time seeing highlights of your game when you were invited to the, I believe it was the Magic Round Ball Classic yeah. in your backyard in Detroit. Tell us a little bit about that game and what that meant to your career. Well, that was, I mean, that was a, a true testament to all the work that I had done over the years because uh, I wasn't highly ranked coming out of high school. Um, I was kind of a, a local talent, so to speak. But when it came to the national level, I was kind of an unknown, you know, a, a kid that didn't really um, have a name out there. I wasn't in the Slam magazines or the Street of Smith. So when the Magic Round Ball Classic presented itself, now people who don't know what that game is, it's the the All-American game. So you take the top 20 high school All-Americans in the country, it's just like the McDonald's game at the time. Um, and Mateen Cleese was injured and they needed a fill-in. So they kind of called me in to practice with the team. Kobe Bryant was there, the number one player in the country at the time. Tim Thomas was there, Richard Hamilton, Jason Hart, Lauren Woods, Lester Earl, uh, Shaheen Holloway, just so many fantastic names. I got the opportunity to not only play in the game, but to start and to win MVP on the biggest stage. So that was a, um, a, 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 I like to say a Disney, like a Walt Disney type of movie moment for me um, that I, I couldn't have scripted any better. That's awesome. You were, throw out some names that uh, true basketball fans are going to remember. You know, Lester Earl, the, his career didn't kind of, you know, get to the levels a lot of people thought, but I believe he and Kobe were kind of neck and neck with yeah. Tim Thomas to be the best player in high school at the time. Tim and I were teammates in LA. He was a phenomenal talent, really kind of that 6'10 guy who could handle it and shoot it from deep uh, before that became the norm. And we'll talk about that later with your positional kind of descriptions. Um, but Kobe, I mean, as Man. good a player as there has ever been, uh, I still, to me, it's, it's MJ1 and then it's LeBron and Kobe battling it out number two. Could you see greatness in Kobe at that time? Was he just different? Yeah, Dan. I, I mean, 
Kobe was the number one player in the country, but there was a, a certain aura that surrounded Kobe Bryant. And obviously back then there wasn't any social media. So our Twitter and Instagram was the Street and Smiths magazine. <laughs> so I would read all these articles and I would see little highlights here and there on TV about this, this six foot six skinny kid out of Philadelphia. And I just would say, man, this kid looked like he's so good. Given the chance to <clears throat> meet him, you know, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional because, you know, sure. But getting a chance to meet him in high school and developing a friendship with him, um, I mean, I, I thought, I said then, and this is how I tested my evaluation. This is how I knew I can scout talent. <laughs> I went back home and told my father after I practiced and scrimmaged against Kobe Bryant in high school in 1996. I went back home and told my dad, he's going to be the next Michael Jordan. And my dad looked at me with these eyes like, are you serious? I said, dad, Kobe Bryant plays just like Michael Jordan. And you speed everything up. And it was the closest thing that we've ever seen to Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, amazing career. And obviously we're coming up on about a year now since he's passed and, it, and it's still hard for a lot of basketball people to put things into perspective because he was such uh, a great player and for people who really knew him better than others they, they know him as a great person yes you being a Detroit guy did you hate Michael Jordan because <laughs> I can only imagine that was an interesting rivalry Detroit and Chicago back in the day yeah, you know, I didn't hate Michael Jordan. I just love Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> uh, I mean, like you said in the beginning, Dan, like we gravitate to, to guys that fit our mold. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas, to me, was my end-all, be-all, because here was a, a, a small point guard that won a national title at Indiana that came to, to my city of Detroit and brought promise there. He was the player that kind of gave me the motivation that I could do it one day. Maybe I could be a great guard. So I didn't hate Michael Jordan. I just loved Isaiah Thomas more. It's a good way to put it. And not a lot of people can get out of their own head to put it in that way. You know, like people like you might like Michael Jordan now, but you unfortunately you hate on what Kobe did or what you hate on what LeBron did. Yeah. And I get in arguments with, with friends all the time. It's like, oh, you you hate LeBron because you say Michael's better. I was like, no, LeBron is amazing. Like, yes. hands down, he's amazing. Yes. But for me and your era growing up, there was just something different about Michael Jordan. I had yes. a chance to play with, against him my rookie year, and it's the only time in my life I ever walked onto a basketball court and I'm not going to say I was scared, but I was like, Oh my gosh, that's Michael Jordan over there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just it was a different. different experience. And, and I mean, maybe, and I don't think kids coming up this these days have that against LeBron because LeBron's been more accessible as have guys yeah. like Chris Paul and some other guys yeah. helping the, the younger guys come up. Um, but there was just something about, what you just said in, in loving MJ, but really kind of emulating Isaiah that, that I think is perfect. Yeah, that's how it was for me. And again, LeBron James is, uh, you know, he, he's one of the goats. I don't think there is a goat. I think there are goats. 
in, in different slots. And we'll talk about that later. But I just think that if you slotted it right, then I think there's enough room for all of them to sit on uh, to sit on Mount Rushmore. So move forward to, to your college career. You, you stay home in Detroit. You go to Detroit Mercy that uh, is a smaller program um, yep. that maybe I'm not sure because I don't remember all the details. You may have had other bigger programs come in last minute after your performance at the round ball classic, but you go to Detroit mercy and you have a chance to be yourself and play your game throughout your college career. Yeah. Too many high school kids these days want to go to the big program as opposed to the right program. If you're mentoring a young player that has an, an opportunity, what is your message to them? Go where you fit don't go where other people think you fit. You, you, at the end of the day, you have to be, you gotta be honest with yourself um, because a lot of people won't be honest with you. But one, one thing about being in solitude is looking in the mirror, talking to yourself and really being transparent within yourself. And um, for me, with my own situation, I was honest with myself. I never, I never said, oh, I, I can't play at Michigan or I can't play at Michigan State. But it was like Detroit was the better fit for me and what I was looking to do um, from an individual standpoint. And I was able to accomplish those things while also having great team success. Sometimes we give the word selfish a bad a bad name. The word selfish kind of has a, a negative tone to it. But there's instances in life where the word selfish is, should have a positive ring to it. And this is one of the situations that you have to be selfish with your decision. 100%. I love the way you put that. And I also love how you said you were honest with yourself. It's not that you didn't want to go to Michigan or Michigan State and thought you fit in uh, or could play at that level, but you wanted the right fit for you to have a career that you had envisioned from, from an early age. Angie's List is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. So you, you're at Detroit. You don't live in Detroit nowadays, but do you follow the Detroit program? Because Mike Davis and I have had a number of conversations during my broadcasting career. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a really good coach. He's coaching his son, Antoine Davis, who's a, a really high-level scorer. Yes. Do you follow that program closely, and, and yeah. do you have a chance to mentor uh, Antoine Davis at all? Yes, I, I do. I, I, obviously, I follow the program and everything they do. Um, me and Coach Davis are really close. We talk a lot. Uh, me and Antoine text back and forth weekly. Um, he's a phenomenal kid. It's one thing about Detroit is that it's really hard. It's a hard job. You know, coaching a mid-major school um, in the middle of a city, um, there's not a lot to pick from. You know, recruiting is hard. 
And I, I believe Mike Davis has done a terrific job from the hand that he's been dealt. Um, you know, uh, bringing his son along board, I think he's going to break my scoring record. I think he's, I, I just think he's, I think he's an NBA player. I think he's an NBA scorer. If Antoine Davis was at a SEC school, I still believe he would be an 18, 19 point scorer. He's just really that dynamic. So um, I'm proud of what he, he continues to do. Um, he represents the, the university and the city well. Um, and I wish all the luck for him and his father going forward. All-time leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken, in Detroit. And yep. so you had a career that kind of opened some eyes and gave you the ability to play professionally after right. college. Um, I had a couple short stints in Europe that were eye-opening. They were eye-opening just culturally, um, yeah. the way that the business is handled over there, as well as I had some injuries. Um, yeah. And I try to ask this question of any guest of, of mine on the ISO podcast who's played over in Europe. Do you have any stories that you can just look back now uh, years later and just shake your head and say, I can't believe that just happened? <laughs> Man, I have, I have several. <laughs> uh, I'll keep it short. Um, I was playing in the country. Um, it was early on in my career. Uh, I signed for a, a, a lot of cash. So I went there um, after about six games, I'm leading the league in scoring. I'm averaging like 29. We're like in seventh place. It wasn't the best team in the world, but uh, it was, we were competitive. And about seven games in, uh, my money stops coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and I play about three or four more games after that and still no pay and my my minutes start going I went from leading the league and scoring to finally finishing fifth when I just put the stops on it and that was a moment for me that told that really it was a moment where I reflected on it's not about the sport anymore it's the game that they play within the sport. And that was an eye opener for me. Um, and I experienced that a few other times as well. I've actually lost more money overseas than I've made. And I've made a lot of money overseas. I, I, I don't doubt it. And it's, uh, it's an unfortunate thing that I, you learned it early. I thought I learned it early enough. I quite frankly didn't. It takes you a little bit of reflection of, of what really happened to understand it. Um, and, and any young player who may listen to this at some point before you go overseas in Europe to play, you just have to understand it's no longer college basketball. If no. you're coming from the NBA, it's no longer the NBA. No, it's a different business yes. world. It's a different world of basketball I, I, I just need you to open your eyes to that but know that going in it's still a game of basketball you're still getting paid paid money and yeah. in most cases good money to play a game that you love so we've talked a little bit about playing career some mentorship Detroit roots yeah the biggest the, the most impressive thing that I've seen in the basketball circles over the last few months um, has been your new descriptions of traditional basketball positions way back when it was you got two centers two forwards and 
two forwards, two guards, and a center. Then right. it became you got a point guard, two wings, and, and two bigs. And yeah. you kind of always have these shifts. But what if your point guard is a great shooter, and once he gets off the ball, he's not a point guard. He should be a shooter at that point. Uh, what if you've got a, a big who's yeah. awful on the low block, but he can shoot the heck out of it and handle it? Give us a little bit of how you came up with this breakdown. And if you've got a few extra minutes, I'd love to hear in depth, you know, some of these positional yeah. descriptions. Yeah. I, I, when I look at the, you know, I've looked at the landscape of, of, of basketball, Dan. I, I grew up, I'm a, I'm a coach's son. I, I grew up um, with the game of basketball. So I've been watching it since I was born, you know, and I've looked at everything around us. Um, I'm 42 years old and I've looked at everything around me in the last 42 years and I've seen everything evolve. I've seen cars evolve. I've seen television evolve. I've seen telephones evolve. Um, and the thing that hasn't evolved is the terminology of basketball. And it's really eye-opening to the point where my question is, how come? We're living in a world of, of evolution. When you get into a, a 2020 vehicle and you get into a 1980s vehicle, there's a huge difference. Absolutely. There's a huge difference. There's, there's cameras in, a, in cars now, there's Wi-Fi in cars, there's electronics, there's heated seats, there's voice activation, activated things. But when you get in a 1980s car, there's none of that. So my question to myself was, how come we're still reading out of the Old Testament when we have all these new improved athletes? So I started to jot down different players and, and, and study the terminology of the game. And I wanted to try to simplify it as much as I can, but also give new meaning to what we're actually watching on TV. What we're actually watching on TV is new evolution. So I came up with the term uh, traditional point guard, which is TG. Obviously you add point guard, which has already been there. Then you have combo guard, and then you have hybrid guard. So I was able to chop up the guard into four slots. Then you added the traditional shooting guard, and then you get um, dual forward, small forward, stretch big, hybrid post, power forward, center, and point center. Now, all of those slots, um, you can put those slots on any player in the NBA, college, or a high school because there's different shades to each position. You know, I really love that because, you know, the way I was taught, um, I had a, a mentor, a coach, a trainer uh, in my high school years. Um, he wasn't my high school coach, but yeah. he was a, a guy who trained me a lot. He's like, he would always say, with your skill set, I want you to come down the floor in transition thinking score. Yeah. If it's, if it's a walk it up setup setting, I want you to think point guard, right? Yep. And then as soon as you get rid of the ball, I want you to think of as a catch and shoot guy. 
And so that was that was something different for me to think about at that yeah. time. And then when I'm early in my career in college at the University of Washington, I didn't have the ability to play that way and with that freedom. I was more your walk it up point guard kind of if I traditional, if I did something wrong, I was coming out. Yeah. Coach Hugh at Gonzaga opened me up and freed me back up to do what I just explained. Push in transition, look to be a scorer. Yeah. If not, if that's not there, get us into offense. The second you get rid of it, I want you to become a scorer. And yes. so the way that you break down the descriptions is something the first time I saw it, I think I might have messaged you on Twitter it yeah. my eyes yeah. perfectly. I was like, this is amazing. It was <laughs> yeah. great. So before I let you go, uh, Rashad, I got a couple players that I want to throw the names at to you sure. and have you fit them into the box. Okay, sounds great. Let's go. So Let's first, go. we're going to start with a couple current guys. Okay. James Harden. He's a hybrid guard. Okay, and, and, and why? Well, hybrid guards to me are players that have a unique style of play. Um, they're extremely dangerous when the ball is in their hands. They can act as a distributor or, or a dominant scorer, and that's what James Harden is. How about Steph Curry? He's a hybrid guard. Same he's thing, actually, okay. He's actually the greatest hybrid guard of all time. Short, quick story. And I know you said when you played against Kobe for the first time in practice, you were, you were blown away. Yeah. The last NBA training camp that I was in was I was with Golden – I was with Phoenix. And okay. we played Golden State. It was Steph Curry's rookie year. Yeah. And I'm not going to go so far as to say that I knew Steph Curry was going to be the greatest shooter I had ever seen. Yeah. But I guarded him for three or four minutes stretch, and I couldn't believe what I was guarding. His handle, the tightness with his handle, and the ability that he could create space and the quickness in his shot. I was, I was blown away. I was like, uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a head scratcher. Yeah. And, and all these years later, again, I don't want to say I saw that he was going to be the greatest shooter ever. But yeah. I knew there was something special about him. It was only a matter of time before that came out. How about LeBron James? LeBron James is, is one of my favorite terms. He's a dual forward. Okay. Um, and the reason I use the term dual forward is because dual forwards are engines. They're like the V12 engine in the offense. They, they have gaudy stats. A guy like LeBron is a dual forward. Luka Doncic is one and Giannis as well. Those guys are engines to their, their organizations. Dual forward. Beautiful. I love it. Now I'm going to go old school. I'm going to give you four names. Okay. And maybe this will help some of the, uh, the people listening to this kind of go back and see what the traditional position they were and yeah. how it would fit into your description. Yeah. Your guy, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was, man, you know what? Isaiah was, I'm going to categorize him as a point guard, but he's one of the few guys that he was like Prince. Prince was everything. Prince can play instruments. Prince can sing. Prince can produce. Prince can choreograph. Isaiah Thomas was a mixture of a TG, a PG, and a HG. Um, but if I had to slot him at one slot, I would put him at point guard. But he was one of the few players that I call a slot changer because yeah. he had the ability to do that. I like that because if he wanted to and if his Detroit teams needed him to or if they played at a faster pace, his scoring numbers would have been ridiculous. Yeah. And 
he led the NBA in assists um, in the 84-85 season, and he averaged 14 assists. So he was able to be traditional when needed, or he was able to be a hybrid guard when needed, and he was able to be a point guard when needed. So he was a he was what I call a, a, a slot changer. Awesome. Uh, Larry Bird. Dual forward. Okay. Dual forward. Again, very similar to, to the guys like LeBron that you mentioned and Giannis and Doncic. Yes. Engine. I'm, I'm thinking the next guy, if I'm correct in, in le- learning this, is going to fall yes. under the same, but it's another Detroit guy, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, I'm going to give him the point guard okay. slot. Okay. Now, he could have been a dual forward, but Magic Johnson style of play see the style of play determines your slot too yeah so magic style of play wasn't that of a dual forward magic style of play was a point guard magic would back it down set the offense yeah as a dual forward is more of an attacker like grant hill was a dual forward great one yes Okay, he, I'm starting to understand and see those d- d- slight differences. I mean, Grant slight. would push it on occasion as a point guard, where Correct. Magic, if Magic's in the game, it's his show to run. Correct. As opposed to occasionally you're the guy in control. Correct. No different than LeBron. I mean, yeah, he makes point guard plays, but it doesn't make him a point guard. Correct. He's a dual forward. Correct. Correct. Now, this, this last one is one that he's one of my favorite players of all time. I think Correct. had he not gotten hurt as a young player – he'd be talked about as one of the all-time greats. Had he come over from Europe before he came, he would have been talked about as one of the all-time greats. Now, hopefully you've seen enough of the clips to, to love his game the way I do. Arvidas Sabonis. Oh, he was a point center. Yes. Oh, he is. If you like, if you love the Joker, if you love the Joker, then you're watching Arvidas Sabonis. That's what you're watching. A big, that, you can run your offense through. He was an initiator. He had terrific vision, um, and he can score the ball. Yes, he came over here a little late, but he was he was so great that even though he came to America late, you still saw flashes of his greatness. He would go down as a PC, which I call a point center, and his son's terrific in Indiana. Rashad, I appreciate it. It's been great talking hoops. So we're going to have to do it again sometime. I'm going to definitely have to bring you back on maybe either NCAA tournament time or maybe leading up to the NBA draft, either one of those two, because I love your new position descriptions. I love the the passion that you have for the game. And again, it was nice to connect and thanks for joining. Oh, it was a pleasure, Dan. I appreciate you. Talk soon. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.